You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. He says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I've come that you may have life. So he's speaking about a quality of life that is different from the normal. Okay? And we started this discussion last Sunday where we said, you know, if you go back to John chapter 1, that the writer says in the beginning was the word. And he says that word was life, that word was light. Word was life. We said, look, so when we talk about a great life, uh, the beginning is in the word. The beginning starts from the word. And we read out of Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus begins to explain that there's a way you can start out the life that determines the outcome. He paints two scenarios. One, he says, they build on the rock. And he says that as life happens, the house remains. The other, he says, they build on sand. And he says, as life happens, that house falls down. Okay? So a great life is one that remains even after life has happened. Uh, Jesus, when he describes the difference between those two lives, um, says um, that it is what they did with the word that makes the difference. And so last week we spent a bit of time on Sunday uh, talking about how the word of God is a manual for our life, talking about how the word of God is the mirror uh, that we need to make adjustments, a compass for direction, and talking about how the word of God was necessary nourishment for our spirits. Okay? And so tonight we then said, look, you know, it's interesting we can you know, have that big, and we have this rock challenge we then put out um, on social media, and if you don't follow us yet, you should follow us on social media, you know, and we've then said, but you know, but studying the word of God, because the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, how can they believe if they're not heard? You cannot do the word that you have not heard. It's hard to do word that you have not even come to obey, to come into the place of obedience to the word that you've not heard. So we said, look, why don't we spend this Wednesday just talking about how to study the Bible, okay? Um, so help me ask the person next to you, have you been studying your Bible? And, okay, they will tell you yes because they're in church, so they're just going to take the next one minute to explain to you the best ways to study the Bible. People are dairy, please, P.I., don't do this. Not, it's too early, it's too early. I've had a hard day at work. Um, happy birthday to our chief of staff, uh, by the way. Amo Akinde. What's your middle name? Sarah? I'm not sure what huh? <laughs> Well, happy birthday. We love you. We'll sing for you later. But we love you. We love you loads. All right. Special, special day. Jesus had reverence for scripture. I'll start from there. Jesus did not treat the Bible. And so when Jesus, in Jesus' day, they didn't have the whole Bible that we have today. But he did have most of the Old Testament. I suspect all the Old Testament at that time. Okay. But Jesus had a reverence and made a reference to Scripture. This is very important as we start this discussion about how we approach the study of the Word of God. I remember sitting with a group of very intellectual people some years, maybe last year or the year before, and just talking about the Bible and God. And this guy's really brilliant. And as you know... um, (laughs) And after a while, it, it dawned on me that evening that sometimes as human beings, we think that the whole process of finding God's heart and mind starts with us. We think that we are, the, we think we are more keen to know God than God is to show himself to us. And so God has constantly left behind a trail. Okay? Uh, we read that scripture last week where it speaks about you know, uh, how the word of God has been given that the man of God may be equipped, may have instruction, may be corrected, may be prepared for every good work. So if you look through Jesus' life, he's constantly quoting scripture, right? And I've heard people say, oh, it's only the Old Testament that is scripture because Jesus specifically says scripture when he talks about the Old Testament. Like, he couldn't be talking about Paul's letters because they had not been written yet, but people say, no, that's the only scripture. All these other ones are not scripture. Yeah, okay. It's not <laughs> it's good argument. That's no problem. 
but, but Jesus had the reverence for Scripture. In fact, in, I think it's in Luke 24, when he meets these disciples after the guys on the road to Emmaus, you know, after, you know, he's, he's resurrected, you know, and they're in confusion and everything. The Bible says he begins at Moses and all the prophets, and he begins to expound unto them in all the scriptures. So this is Luke 24, 27. If you could make notes, it's helpful uh, so when you want to check out things later. The Bible says he begins at Moses and all the prophets. This is Jesus, okay? And begins to expound in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And for Jesus to expound scripture, he must have studied them. He must have known the scripture. Um, and, and so I pray tonight, you know, I, I, I put on, I, I mean, my prayer tonight has been, Father, would you, would you spark a fire in my life, in our lives today? Um, I'm very key that, you know, we all live a great life, all of us. Uh, I found that everything God creates, he creates with the ability to be great without too much stress. You know, when you see the animal, when you see a lion, it's not, it's not struggling. I want to be great. I want to be the greatest. Maybe in that film, I'm not sure what that one was. Lion King, you know, you know. But no, normally the lions just be lions, right? And it's we human beings who are slightly in that place where we're trying to be. But God's if we do things the way God says we should do them, we'll find that greatness happens, you know, as God has intended. How do we study the Bible? Second Peter chapter 1, verse, 10, verse 20 and 21, um, I read to you here, it says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in all time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The first thing I say is that uh, the Holy Spirit wrote scriptures, inspired scriptures, and so helps us, must help us in our study of scripture. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul's praying for the Ephesian church. He says, I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, and you know, to the end that the eyes of your understanding will be open. And so there's this whole concept about the eyes of our understanding even being opened at all. Uh, Philip, um, you know, God, the Holy Spirit moves him, join yourself to this chariot, the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, in the book of Acts. He walks up to the man, the man is reading out of Isaiah, and he says, you know, do you understand what you are reading? The man says, how can I understand except someone teaches me? Okay, uh, uh, um, and so... The Holy Spirit needs to help. So I said the first thing to note is that we must approach the word of God with meekness. James chapter 1 and verse 21. It says, Wherefore laying aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Uh, that, that's a nice phrase. I remember this from campus. Uh, this is just me now diving into something that's not. But superfluity of naughtiness. We really didn't know what that meant. And I still don't know. But it just sounded like something very deeply spiritual. So if you were in a conversation about somebody who's just been acting anyhow, just shake your head. It's just the superfluity of naughtiness. <laughs> okay, but that's a diversion. Let's focus. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And, you know, meekness says, look, I am, you are God and I am not. Meekness says, I understand that the word of God is not just a storybook. You know, Jesus says, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. When Jesus' disciples are having a discussion with Jesus, Jesus says something to the crowd, everybody leaves. And Jesus says, won't you guys leave also? He said, they say, no, where are we going to? The word, he says, you have the words of eternal life. And so when we interact with scripture, we must come with meekness. We must come prayerfully. We must come trusting God, looking for instructions from Scripture. Um, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 2, it says, And if any man thinks that he knows anything, he knoweth not yet as he ought to know. So there's a concept, I think it's in, whew, 
I think it's in James, where he talks about the meekness of wisdom. It means that when you approach God, as you really should approach most of your life, but especially scripture, that you must recognize that you do not know all that there is to know yet. Because sometimes some people act, behave, and think that they know everything already, at least most things. And, and, and it's really important to help yourself as you approach scripture, right? Uh, to humble yourself as you approach scripture. I mean, not the person next to you and just tell them, humble yourself, humble yourself, humble yourself, all right? Um, the second thing, so we study with meekness. <laughs> and um, this is, Wednesday is very chilled, you know, no shades on Wednesday, just going with the word, all right? Except when people like Demi, let start talking and side comments. And you want to make them focus, all right? <laughs> study with diligence. Now, what does this mean? I, on Sunday, I began to talk about how it is unlikely that uh, Follaby trying to study medicine, right, would take 140 words out of the medical textbook, right, on a daily basis and approach his MBBS, which is the exam in the middle, I think all the theory, and believe that he will pass. In fact, you cannot even take one chapter a day. I just say, look, man, I really don't... Me, the, way, the way this medicine speaks to me is different from how everybody else does this medicine. I just want to take one line a day, you know, and just... <laughs> you don't need a prophet to tell you that not only will you not pass the exam, but if you pass the exam by a mistake, you will kill people. All right? Because anything... What, I wanted to be a doctor... When I was growing up, I really wanted to be a doctor. And then God saved me. Because Israelites, all the hard work that I needed to go into being a doctor. It's like, no, give me economics. We talk about demand and supply, drug graphs, and we're fine. But medical students, I don't know if you had them in your university, this guy's read like twice or thrice. Isn't a doctor here? No, see, they're all walking. <laughs> but... But medical doctors, and, and I use them as a bit of a sign, but I suspect that with every course of study, law, for example, what did you study at the middle of the day? Geography. That's an easy one. You don't really need to study for that one. <laughs> but, but any, anything that was, you, even geography, let's, let's call it that, you needed to study maps. It didn't just do to go into the exam hall. I know some of you tried it once. You just went into the classroom to study one evening before the exam. And then when you got into the exam hall, you question one, you didn't know. Question two, you didn't know. Question three, you didn't know. And this lecture is wicked. He's not wicked. A total lack of diligence. I remember, and I can't, oh, Holy Spirit, you need to help me focus this message. But you know, I remember one guy, boldness, you know, University of Benin. The night before the exam, his name, and I can't say his name because he might be related to somebody here and now tell him and now hate me and block me on social media. But the night before the exam, Emmanuel, <laughs> and there are lots of Emmanuels in the university, he's boldly going around looking for the handout. And you know, I was not the most, I was not the most diligent student, but that night I was like, you are joking, you know? In my mind, I was like, there's no way you're passing this exam because that was when he was going to start reading for the exam. This is, I'm telling you, it was the night before. So we go, oh, wow, how can, what, kind of, what kind of silly student is that? I think he's very much like the student who has been given the manual for his life in scripture, but looks at one verse a day. Ah, at the Bible. The Bible is really big. To be fair, the Bible is big. God cannot expect us to read all of this. <laughs> all of this. What is this? This is my simple life. Dangote did not read this before he made all his money. <laughs> How can I? Ah, no. Look at that. Ah, no. I'm not even a pastor. Leave them P.I. to read this. You better not read it. Hey, we want our preacher, your rubbish message. Me, I'm going to live my life, live a good life. But it's interesting because the same Bible <laughs> that P.I. or whoever needs to read, that Bishop Oedekbo needs to read, that Pastor Godman needs to read, is the same manual for your life. <laughs> So we must devote time, we must devote energy, we must devote attention. You must clear calendars, all right? You must, and I, I mean, it, it, again, one thing I respect is that we all have our own 
individual learning styles. We all have how we assimilate knowledge. But you and I know that regardless of your unique learning style, that when you do not diligently prepare to acquire knowledge, it shows in the examinations. So whether you're the guy who, I mean, we had people in the university who, um, who they would go to read from like 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. You know, the rest of us like, why? What, what's this? This is, this is slavery. There's something wrong here, you know? We were the kind of guys, and I suspect, Bradipo, you were like me. You know, we went at 9 p.m. We settled down at about 10. That 10, we now concentrate till about mm, 11. That's it, uh, one hour, that's a solid one hour reading. Then you get up so that what you've read can settle. You get up, you greet, <laughs> you cheese, you greet people. I know you, oh, I have to focus on this message, but, but you understand what I'm saying? You greet, then you greet at about 11 45. Like, you go back. Of course, when you go back, there's no way you can do another one hour. You now do 45 minutes. You get up again. Then by around one, you're like, man, I, <laughs> I have a handle on this, man. What is it? I even have faith. I'm favor. Let's go, Joe. And then you go, you just on the road. I, I mean, and then you, as you're going, you're wondering, people are, then your roommates come and wait at 6 a.m., they come back. Whatever your reading style was, you knew when you had... So when you showed up at certain exams, you know when people are in an exam hall and they're smiling, just confident. You know, so when they say... <laughs> that's wonderful. When you get in there, you're just praying, Father. Because <laughs> you've read only one thing. And you're just praying, Father, let it come out. <laughs> let it be 90 marks. <laughs> And so when they're saying, don't turn over, all you're doing is, you just want to turn over and see. And just check the question, it's not there. Okay, that's it. <laughs> it's all done. That's it. Let's carry over. What's, what's, can I leave now? Can I, no, what's, what are we doing here? Let's, let's leave. Let's leave. The Bible speaks about the people called the Berean Christians. Acts 17 and 11. The Bible says they were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. In that they received the word with all readiness. But the Bible says they did not stop there. So they were not just in church on a Sunday shouting, preach it, P.I. Oh, this is touching my soul. Preach it. Let me tweet about it. They went beyond, and that is good to do. But the Bible says, and they searched the scripture daily to find out whether these things were so. P.I. comes on Sunday. It is a nice message. How do you, where do you, how do you, do you go back? The Bible says there is a daily interaction with scripture, right? That the Bereans, the Bible says he described them as being more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Um, and, and I need to move very quickly along, and I'll come back to this, but you cannot study scripture casually. In fact, anything that you want to be an expert in requires some level of study. Uh, Samuel is an architect and a photographer, but um, I actually also own a camera. In fact, I think my camera is just as nice as the one Samuel has. Yeah, you know, can argue, but hey, my wife bought it. Did your wife buy your own? No. <laughs> okay. Mine was bought with love. <laughs> I'm sure you bought yours yourself. All right. But the thing is, the difference is that all I can do with my camera is to put it on, take pictures. You know, I can download the pictures of my, of my stuff. I only know one, one setting. I also know how to, to charge it. Right? I know how to charge it. Very nice camera. I put it very, preserve it very well. But Samuel, on the other hand, did not get to where he is by doing what I have done. So all the different functions of my camera, that you know, some of us, when we have cameras, and we just look at the different signs. You just leave it on one setting. That's the one setting they told me. I must leave it on. I do nothing else with it. And so what Samuel has had to do 
is to apply diligence, to read up stuff. So sometimes when the cameraman is taking a photo and it's adjusting light, you're just like, ha, it's not just photo. Just take this thing and let's move on. He says, no, he'll bend like this. Ah, oh, no, they will talk. And you think he's just working for his money. But the Bible says that there is an application of diligence. There is a daily search. You know, and, you know when he says concerning the guys who, the Berean Christians, he says they searched the scriptures daily. To search meant that they looked beyond what was obvious. It meant they looked beyond just one place. All right, so, so, so diligent. I'll come back to this. Um, to study the Bible, you must study Bible history and even the commentary of others who have gone before us. And so, um, when you read Acts chapter 1, he says, look, I've put this together so you might know the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. Uh, one thing that was instructive for me as I prepared for this was looking through the book of Acts. And you would realize how many times the apostles, as they sought to make a defense of the gospel, will start to give historical context to the things that were happening. They will start to talk about Moses. They will start to talk about Abraham. They would give history and then they will come and to Jesus. Because sometimes... Um, there's a lot of insight that comes to us as we understand the history around which Bible or biblical events happen in. You know, when you look at Paul's life, he would say to Timothy, he says, look, bring for me my books, especially the parchments. This were, you could see that not only were these guys engaging directly with Scripture, but they found material that helped them make sense of Scripture. Um, growing up in the university, I got born again in the university, I found out very quickly that there was such a thing called a study Bible. Um, yeah, there is a study Bible. And what a study Bible was, was that it enabled you, right, get sufficient material and, you know, to read and make, so this is for the people who were intent, so it's not just the Bible you use when they say open in church, and you. this was the Bible for students, so to speak. Um, ah, this is a good time, I might as well say it now. So it got a time when there was a, it was a thing of pride to have a big black Bible called the Dakes, D-A-K-E-S. If you didn't have a Dakes Bible in the University of Maine, you were not spiritual. It's unlikely you were going to heaven, by our estimations. <laughs> Once you got the dicks and then you moved out with your dicks Bible, uh -uh, they knew that this was, you're just waiting for rapture. You were ready. <laughs> but what the dicks Bible did, it, it was one of the most elaborate commentaries that you could find. And, you know, sometimes you would, you, so there was such comment, it would tell you about the history. So there was, by the time you then chanced upon the scripture, you were already walking in a wealth of insights. Now keep this at the back of your mind. Because it's interesting how, you know, so, you know, Paul, Jesus, Peter, how they will quote from the Old Testament. Um, how do we study the Bible? There are three or four things that people have, you know, talked about, and I'll talk about rules for biblical interpretation. Uh, there are some people who say to you, look, just start from the book of Genesis and just go all the way straight down. Now, um, so you could take Bible books because the, the principle of study begins to suggest some sort of strategy. Again, I take you back to how you build or how you study for any field of academic uh, uh, pursuit. There is block upon block. There is precept upon precept. There is step by step. So I have a, a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old children. Okay? And um, I have one of the miracles that I've seen in my life is their learning of English, right? So when, I, when these kids were born, right, Ogochuka and I knew these kids needed to learn English. And we could have started out when the child was one year old, trying to make them spell big words. 
expel experience. So, sir, experience. So, sir, I know I'm sure the boy just be looking, God, what kind of crazy parents are this, wherever. And, you know, it'd probably be 10 and just be babbling words now. But what has happened is that line upon line, okay, so we've, 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 they've gone to school and learned the, they didn't even learn the alphabet, they learned phonetics first and recognized alphabets and sounds and little words and then big words and then sentences. And then nowadays, when my 10-year-old daughter is speaking, I'm half afraid, you know, just waiting for the day she will overtake me in vocabulary and use words that I don't understand. And then I'm also proud of the school fees we are paying. Like, yes, it's all coming together. It's oftentimes the same thing with scripture. But there must be some structure to how you are studying. So this one that we open Psalm 1 verse 1 today, then we move to Zechariah tomorrow, then you just flip it open, that Deuteronomy 6. Ah, they are cursing people here. No, Hebrews. <laughs> you know, just mix, match, mix, match. Even the Holy Spirit is trying to talk to you. No, but it's not like that. Wait, wait, you know, I'm just moving. Boom, boom, boom. That not studying. Because that's so not, when nothing is sticking, you know, you're just like, and the Holy Spirit, you'll be studying by yourself. Now go ahead. Now, I'm trying to direct you. <laughs> so you could study scripture chronologically. You could start from Genesis and just give it your best shot. Um, you could start, I actually tell people, especially who have just gotten saved, you could start from the Gospels and do the New Testaments first, all the way through. You know, um, you could you could read one book after the other, but let it be that between you and the Holy Spirit, there's one book that you are reading, and you are reading it one step after some plan to the study. Again, the best analogy I have that helps me, just think of you studying for anything in the university, or, and just think of you taking, deciding to leave the first three chapters of the textbook. Just go to the back and read one page there, then flip. Just think of how how divided your knowledge will be and how unprepared you would be for life. Some people say you could read and study according to themes. So you could take one big theme and say, I want to study the Bible about faith. The thing about studying like that means that you need to then get resources that allow you to understand where the big chapters. So, so for example, people will say to you, if you want to study about faith, um, what's the big chapter to study, start with? Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is a good one to start with. And so you go to Hebrews 11, and then you say, oh, where else is, are there big things about faith? You could read all through Romans, because Paul talks about it there. You could read here. But what it means is that you even have some, and the internet makes these things a lot easier nowadays. Okay? So you want to study about love, you know, and so you try to find out whether the big passages about love, the big examples about love, and you put all that together. You could study Bible characters. Now, this is important. So you could take the Holy Spirit. Again, remember where we started from. You're, you're, you're approaching your study with meekness. So you let the Holy Spirit also... The Bible could, the Holy Spirit could say, look, why don't you study the life of David today? Um, I spent some time last week studying about David and Saul. And I was really amazed at how much truth and you know, very relevant instruction existed there for me. So you could take Moses' life. So you could take Elijah's life. There's so many people who can lead us in a study of scripture. But the thing is structure, structure, it produces predictability regardless of your learning style. Um, you know, they say, I think it is Pastor Lubu who talked about how discipline births delights. I know that we live in an age where we don't anything that seems to make put us in a straight jacket. They've taught us that it is wrong, it is it is from the devil, it's killing us, it's, it's just halting our creativity. Leave me, I want to be free. I'm I'm a hippie inside. Uh, I just want to do what I want to do. But there is nothing wrong with structure. Absolutely nothing wrong with structure. Let me tell the person next to you, would you study your Bible a bit? Would you study your Bible a bit? <laughs> okay, <laughs> let, me try and, let me try and run through a couple of big thoughts, well, thoughts on uh, biblical interpretation. So as you study, how do you interpret the things you study? 
I've had this once mentioned, and I'll just tell you. There's something called the law of first mention. Okay? And this is already this is things that are useful. And if you're in a circle of slightly religious people, and they're just talking stuff you don't understand, just, you can just chip in one of these things. So I just, well, you know how the law of first mention, but you don't have to be able to explain what, what it is. But it simply, simply says that typically the first time a matter, a term, or a definition, or a word is used in scripture, is instructive in getting a sense of what it means, right? Um, and so, which is why if you study scripture from the beginning, it helps you, right? So they say, um, if, you, if you look for a word in scripture and find out where's the first time it was used, where's the first time this principle was used, where's the first time there is an application of blood? Where is the first time sacrifice happens? Where is the first time the word sin is used? When they say to you that once you can understand what is happening there, it typically helps you to be consistent. It helps you to see what God is doing and God is saying. The law of first mention. Uh, they talk about original language. Now, I, I suspect most of us know this, that scripture was not originally written in English. Shock. You're joking. We thought it was written by the queen. No. <laughs> okay? Who knows the languages the scripture was written in? Not written in Yoruba, my brother. <laughs> All right. Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic. Is it Aramaic? There are a couple of words. Aramaic is words, not words. What is in Aramaic in the Bible? <laughs> okay. okay, but Hebrew and Greek primarily. Okay. And so they say to you, or they say to us, and I've seen this wrong, that if you would, right, find Hebrew translations of scripture, that in fact it tends to help you in understanding words in context. Um, in fact, I know I've heard of people who, in their quest to understand scripture more, go and learn how to speak Hebrew or Greek. But like, oh, that's for pastors. Okay? But there is such a thing as a Hebrew-Greek Bible. In fact, what the Bible I'm using today, this one I have here, uh, it, it explains key terms in either the Hebrew or the Greek. Because so once, what happens sometimes as I am studying and I chance upon a phrase or a word, sometimes I, you know, I, I feel that there is a bit more to it than the language permits expression of. So I go back here and I, I would find the word and find the original language in which it was said. And sometimes they begin to explain to you what that word or that phrase means. Okay? So language is important. Um, context is important as you study scripture. Now context says, look, what was the Bible saying before this verse, before this chapter? before this passage, and what did it say after? <clears throat> Who is saying it? In fact, sometimes they encourage you to try and lose sight of the chapters and the verses because, you know, when the scripture was originally written, you don't have chapter 1, chapter 2, it all flows. But the, the compilers have put in there for clarity. But sometimes to be able to, in your mind, see the flow. But context is extremely important. Um, I'll tell you why context is important. Right? And, I, and I try and do this in two ways. I say that we must beware of what we call uh, sound bites. Now, because, and this is very efficient generation, so what we do is to reduce things to very small bits. You know? And once, you know, a hashtag, whatever, whatever, once we can reduce it to a small bit, it helps us to process quickly and we can run with it. The challenge is that a lot gets lost and you can't reduce everything to a headline. How many times have you read the headline of something and when you read the real story, you're like, just what nonsense? You know? So you cannot, and the thing with, <laughs> the thing with, Contact, give an example. First year of getting born again in the University of Benin, we used to hear this scripture as people prepared for exam. The memory of the righteous is blessed. The memory of the righteous is blessed. So me too, of course, when we're praying, my memory is blessed. Blessed, blessed. My memory is blessed. My memory is blessed. Because you know a prayer, you know how you do Christian prayer? You 
paste it, you know, my memory is blessed. Memory is blessed. Blessed memory. Blessed. Blessed memory. You know, just put all in there. And then one day, I'm reading scripture. I chance upon where it's speaking about the memory of the righteous is blessed. It's talking about the righteous man has died. They can remember him. He's blessed. So I go to my pastor. <laughs> I go to my pastor. I say, pastor, this memory that is blessed is when we die. <laughs> I can't forget him, Pastor Falabi. He says, oh, thank God, now you're reading your Bible. <laughs> the irony, the irony is that surely the memory of the righteous is blessed. But that is not what the scripture is saying there. So it is very easy for us to lift out a sound bite. Just one thing. Oh, by the way, God does speak to us in sound bites sometimes. Sometimes, I mean, for me, for a very long time, God will give me a verse. One verse. I try to resolve an issue. Give me one verse. I open the verse. I know exactly what to do in that situation. However, I cannot take that personal experience in God at that time as the basis for a principle for life. I give you an example. I'm trying to do something. Trying to do something. You know, dim like trying to ask this girl out. Nothing is moving. God just gives you that scripture. John, da, 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 you open it. Whatever you have to do, do quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and. You mean I receive revelation from God, heads off, with me, God bless you, it's your birthday, but you know what? I love you. Will you marry me? Yes. P.I. does wedding. We move fast. Then Mladen says, principle for life. Whatsoever you have to do, do quickly. No, he was talking to <laughs> the man who was going to betray him. That is not a principle. You cannot say, ah, this is my revelation from the scripture. No, this scripture, that's not what it means. And so you must be able to say, Hey, you wake up. It's just an example. <laughs> okay? You must be able to say, what is Scripture saying before? And what is Scripture saying after? And tell me, I'm going to move you guys apart. Now, just don't distract my message. Okay? Context. Uh, Paul says, and I think, and, I, and, and he, he quotes from the Old Testament. He says, that in the mouth of two or more, so 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1. It says, this is the third time I'm coming to you. It says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. And so we said to people, as you study scripture, you know, God does not, God does not, he's not the originator of confusion. So when you say, ah, this is what the Bible is saying, the, 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 Odds, the likelihood, the truth is that there will be other scriptures that confirm that same thing. And so it's just a matter of proper... Because what happens is when you take one particular verse, lift it typically out of context, and there is no other place where you can substantiate what you have read or what you are saying you have read, uh, there typically is a challenge. So beware of sound bites. Find where... Let scripture confirm scripture. Let context help you understand. I mean, I, it's amazing how much of the things we quarrel about in terms of doctrine within the body of Christ that become very clear as you understand the context in which they've been written, who they are writing to, and stuff like that. All right. Um, there is one thing. Now, now, this is important. Yeah, this is important. I believe... I believe. So Luke chapter 24, something interesting happens there. These guys, Jesus is expounding scripture to them. And they, they cannot understand it. Right? They, they, they can't understand what he's saying. They can't recognize Jesus. The Bible says they get to a place and, you know, he sits down with them. And Jesus takes bread and breaks it. Now, don't forget what has happened a couple of weeks ago. Jesus has taken bread and broken it in the presence of his disciples. And he said to them, every time you break bread, you will remember me, Christ. The Bible says once he breaks the bread, their eyes are open. They immediately, re it's as if it all comes back to them. They realize, my goodness, this is Jesus. The Bible says immediately they recognize him, he disappears from their sight. And for me, over the last couple of years, it's been instructive. I keep on saying to that when it, the, that the greatest context for biblical interpretation is Jesus himself. That everything becomes clear as you seek to reference to Jesus. 
Because otherwise you struggle as you read scripture. Otherwise you struggle. So Jesus is the context for all. It's like the key to, you know when you have a, a password, it's like a password to unlocking all sorts of mysteries. It's like when you're trying to decipher, uh, what do you call those things? Uh, okay, what is it? That's, I didn't mean that thing that complex. But you, like all those spy movies, they've sent you something, you don't understand. They say, this is the key. You open the key. You understand. Now, understanding Jesus, his sacrifice, and what God has sought to do with him is, for me, one of the biggest... It, it helps you understand the Old Testament. It helps you understand the New Testament. Because once we try to understand scripture outside of Jesus, I find that people, then it, it's often a lot more difficult, you know, because it's, for me, it's often interesting how clear things are. So sometimes when you're, when you're reading, I'll give you an example. When you read um, Abraham's discussion with God on the mountain where he goes to sacrifice Isaac, some of the things that Abraham begins to say begin to make sense as you think about Jesus. So when he says the Lord will provide for himself a lamb, you begin to, when, you, when you are thinking, when Jesus is the context for scriptural interpretation, it suddenly becomes clearer to you. You begin to realize that God has been, for lack of a better word, he has been showing forth what he was going to do all through scripture. Um, now, let me try and tie this together, okay? Let me try and tie this together. How far you and I will go with God, every single one of us, depends on us. How far we would go in our walk with God depends on us. I believe that the, I was talking to a friend or a gentleman the other day, and I said to him that one of the things that has happened in this age is the velocity of information has increased. So we have to contend with more information than any generation before. And it's a good thing because it allows us to do things much quicker, right? Our fathers used to wait until 7 p.m. or 9 p.m. To hear what had happened in different in Nigeria, not in the world. In the world, you had to wait till the next morning. Oh, Idris, I remember father tell, telling focus. I remember father telling me, Idris, they've just bombed Iraq. You know, I think that news we were in Benin, so it probably got to us three days later. <laughs> you know. It got me laughing, it got to about five days later. <laughs> okay. But you know, but I remember him telling us that. And I remember, and you know, I cannot forget that because he was ironing. I didn't even know what was happening. Iraq, where's Iraq? They bombed the place, you know? But you know, you and I know that if they bomb anywhere today, right? Before we even leave the service, but they bombed Iraq. <laughs> is, is that the, I won't ask where you are in screens. They didn't wait for us to even leave. In fact, some people in Iraq don't know they bombed Iraq. We in Nigeria already know. We even know where they bombed and who bombed what. The velocity of information has increased. It's at a pace. So what it means is that the, the, the fight for, this is not even a negative, this is even just the fight for space. The fight for attention has increased. And people don't realize that. And so what, you know, when it then comes to building your house on the rock, uh, that which qualifies you to live a great life, what we don't realize is that, man, the people fighting, and these guys have all sorts of, the guy who is providing you news, he's not providing news for free. No. It is a commercial venture for him. If he can be the one who provides you with news, he can go to these people and say, pay me because I'm the one who provides Wumi, Busala, Demilade with news. He doesn't really care about you or if you have news. No, he just wants to make money. And God is saying, let me get in there. No. And so, <laughs> study of scripture, it's something that we cannot be casual about. Uh, Pastor Debo, my friend, he was here two Sundays ago. 
I remember one, one, um, I can't remember what we were. Was it? I can't remember why I was with his phone. When the meeting or something, and we used to like sitting together so we you know, could just exchange spiritual gossip and other things as the meeting goes on. And, um, and I saw a, a, an entry in his phone, in his calendar, word vigil. Of human beings are this. He put him under pressure. And then in conversation, realized that what the gentleman was doing privately was that there were some nights he designated to sitting down with the Bible as a vigil and he would just be reading. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the amount of time you spend studying anything shows. The amount of time you spend studying anything shows. Look, eh, I'm just going to try to put this. There's one small set of things that I'll put this together. I, I can tell you the number of times I, I get asked uh, to my face, how long did you live abroad when I travel? So sometimes I'm in a meeting. I was in a meeting in, in London this Jan January or February, I can't remember. And, and you know, the guy's looking at me, and the guy's just, stop. how long were you abroad for? <laughs> like, well, mm, I, um, because I'm a Christian, I guess, I tell you, I'm not very long. <laughs> because I've never lived abroad. As in, as in abroad for a year, a month, I have never lived abroad. But people are tend to be very impressed with my vocabulary, and, you know, sometimes the accent I have. <laughs> yeah. I've been studying. <laughs> Some, so sometimes when I try to even be humorous, I just tell them I watch a lot of TV. But I read a lot. Ooh. <laughs> because as, intro, as an introvert, still, you know, I'm still an introvert. But I read a lot. I used to read encyclopedias. If I didn't have a novel, if novels had finished, nobody could borrow me novels. My father had this blue encyclopedia, A to Z. I saw them recently when I went to visit. I carried them and started reading. Very boring, but just anything. I could not eat without reading. I was a, I bought that, you know, of course. We've now seen life. <laughs> but it ended up showing, yeah, because when I would, I think it showed up little by little. The amount of time you spend studying anything shows up. So my question, I think God is asking, how much time are you willing to spend studying scripture? Some of us, you know that. Let me look for something that's not too... Okay, guys. You studied football. Eh? When you speak, you're an authority. When God should bring out that guy, number nine. You should bring him out now. He's good. That guy's going to get a red card. I told this guy, he has a red card now. Didn't I say it? No, I said it now. Which, this coach, remove, 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 remove Mikel. You won't hear. You won't hear. You won't hear. Oh! The, and funny enough, ladies look at us, but the authority with which we speak about it is not unfounded. It is deep. So we've been watching games for the last 20, 30 years with religious dedication. One, each game is 90 minutes. So some, some weekends we watch three. If you watch two, three games every weekend, yeah, by now, if they were given degrees, we should have PhD in football strategy and planning. Would we, <laughs> can we watch, can we read scripture for 90 minutes, one week? Guys, 90 minutes, just <laughs> 90 minutes, and the women are all laughing, ha, 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 it's okay. But you know, Guys say, look, we cut our hair for 30, for 15 minutes, we cut our hair. But when the women say, we're going to make our hair, it's a project. <laughs> you know, see you later. <laughs> when you come home, if I'm sleeping, just let me know. Just ring me, eh? <laughs> BWS, you should not do what you're doing. Because she's looking at me because we had this conversation about her making her hair for a couple of hours on Saturday. Five hours. Six. But the hair is fine. <laughs> But what you dedicate time to, when the guys see you on Sunday, like, oh my goodness, that's complicated the way they even turn the hair here. They is moving on. But my point is the things you spend time on show. Acts chapter 17. I'm going to try and close. Oh, no, I can't close on that. Ah, 
Okay, let's do it. Acts chapter 17, the Bible says the Bereans approached the study of the word as a search. Every single day. So, you know, people tell me, so this, I'll be honest with you, it is hard to build a Christian life that has substance by trying to read one verse a day. It is not, it is not, that doesn't work, guys. Right? Um, oh, one beautiful way, I mean, I learned this from my pastor, of going through and studying scripture. He said, he said to me once, he says, you know, the audio Bibles which, so I started listening to the Bible. And it was amazing how some mornings, of course, when you're listening to it, it goes by very quickly. But there are mornings which I would have listened to five books between my house, waking up and going to work. But what it meant was that as I started to study, right, it was a lot easier for me. <laughs> Pastor Luby used to say something, and Demila, you need to remind me. He says he would, he would do his study. I'm going to report to him if you don't. I think he would do his study in the KJV. And then he would meditate in the more modern translations of scripture. Because what he was doing there was that in his study, he wanted to be as near to the original language as possible. So the KJV is sometimes clumsy to go through. But in terms of then trying to meditate upon it, he would look for you know, the more young, <laughs> the more you know, flexible translations, the more modern translations to help him provide insight. And, and so I said to people, I do believe that as you study scripture, there are translations of scripture which you, you should reference, but should not be your primary source of study. I'm not going to call, give you examples. <laughs> no, no, but, but the truth is, you, because what it is is, again, if you've gone through Alpha, we have a whole course on Alpha that speaks about the history of scripture, as we where the Bible's. So you will know the, all the translations, you can see the progression. All right? So there's the King James. There's, I don't know what comes in after that. Then it, it goes gradually. I think the NIV, then good news, then amplified, then I think message, then I suspect, or passion just, passion just came out. Passion, passion like very new, like oh, there's a passion translation. Yeah. So when you say, oh, I love passion, it's just passion. It's just, because it's our, it's our language. I'm just saying you know that it then walks, it's a bit farther away from original translation. But I just keep on, as we, as this study thing for me is, you should have groups of people who you study with. That's a good one. Because the Bible says, uh, I think it's in Ephesians chapter, doo -doo -doo -doo, it says that you may come to know along with all, the, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 18. It says that you may come to comprehend along with all the sense. So I normally tell people that it is hard to come to a place of truth by yourself alone. By the way, how do you know when what you're studying and interpreting is heretical? <laughs> um, a couple of rules in my mind. If it gets you to the place where you begin to feel, think, behave, like you are the only one who knows the truth, the likelihood is that you are in error. Uh, I wish I could teach, and I suspect in another day we could teach this. The Bible says that knowledge has a way of puffing up. But it says the one who thinks he knows does not really know. And the Bible says that we know in parts. So it means that there will always be others who have the completion of that which you have the beginning to. Um, if it brings you to the place where it pulls you away from other believers, it brings you to a place where... Um, Nobody can understand you anymore, and you cannot understand other believers. It's not, you're probably doing something a bit, uh, you're not doing it properly. If it brings you to the place where you can no longer be in fellowship with other believers, it's typical that you are not interpreting scripture properly. Um, I've talked about if it breeds pride. Um, if it manifests in the works of the flesh. If it manifests in the works of the flesh. Um, so, it's easy to take a, if you want to find a scripture 
if you want the Bible to agree with you, right, you can walk it. You can walk to the answer. I've heard people tell me all sorts of, sometimes you, say you go for evangelism. They'll tell you, eh, and I, I, don't, I really don't want to bring up any of the examples, but from alcohol to fornication, there's nothing they've not shown us. Else, but there's one verse. <laughs> and, and if you don't know scripture, even if you are like, eh, really, it's there. <laughs> but, and so from alcohol, drinking, say, but ah, Bible says, and you just take one verse, one line, you know, there's nothing they've not, in those days, even kissing. Bible says, greet each other with a holy kiss. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know somebody's mind like, kissing? Kissing is not right. Pastor P.I., I'll see you later. Relax. And the day we are teaching about kissing, we can talk about that. Thank God, how did I enter? <laughs> how did I enter this discussion? I don't want it's not kissing, it's not how we can talk about that. One day we just, why can I preach a whole message on kissing? They, they might expel me from... <laughs> PFN just writes me an email. Idris, you cannot preach anymore in Lagos. A whole series. Well, church will be full. Okay. Damien, they help me write the notes. Huh? But so you can make scripture try to support you, but that's not what we are called to do. When you approach Bible study with meekness, it means that you are not the one trying to correct the Bible. You are the one, you don't approach your mirror, you know it says mirror, mirror, who's the finest of them all? You don't approach the mirror telling the mirror what to tell you. And some people argue with the mirror. I am not this fat. What's all this rubbish? <laughs> this mirror is useless. Who bought this mirror? <laughs> <laughs> when God is telling you, arrange your life. No, my life is perfect. Um, in a couple of years, so you can put on your seatbelt now. We're going to land the plane. Okay, sit down. <laughs> in a couple of years, it will be obvious whether our houses have been built on the rock or not. That is as sure as, as, sure as there is light and day. In a couple of years, uh, life is very quick. In a... Huh, Life is very quick. I can still remember my 21st birthday with Cla and the way it has gone. Whew, huh? I'm humble because it tells me that my 60th birthday is not very far. Okay? You're feeling young, Samuel. They will soon do your 40th. <laughs> There's no amount of dreadlocks you're going to put on your head that's going to stop the aging process. Our charge is, would we, <laughs> they won't ask the keyboardist to go and play. If like you put the drummer, when I'm done with my message, I'm done. Put the guitarist also, violinist, I'm going to finish this message. Relax, it's Wednesday. That's why I don't like preaching Wednesday. Sunday, they let me preach. All right. <laughs> uh, Josh. <laughs> but would you consider studying your Bible as if your life depends on it? Because it does. On Sunday last, hey God, it is, you have, you have, okay, I've even finished the message, but I'll take my Bible, take, God bless you. On Sunday we said life is an open book exam. One of those exams where the lecturer is wicked, it says, bring your textbooks. <laughs> but would you give God some attention? It says, how will a young man abstain from sin? It says, your word have I hidden in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Uh, Busala started to preach Sunday's message, where she started talking about, uh, you know, speaking the word of God. And, and on Sunday, one of the things we'll talk about is how you can speak the life you want. We're, we're inviting a prophet on Sunday to come to church. Perhaps the greatest prophet in town. So do come to service. I believe that we're at a at a, I don't want to use big grammar. I believe that we are at an extremely important phase as a church and as individuals. I believe there's an adjustment in our Christian works that God is calling us to make that will change not just our lives. He says unto Timothy, he says it will save not just your hearers, not just you, but your hearers also. 
So for some of you, it's not, God is not just asking you to study because of you. He's asking you to study because of your friends. He's asking you to study because of the generation he's asking you to lead. Um, I put in my notes on Sunday. I said, how far are you from the word? How far are you from the word? Would we please pray tonight, if you don't mind? Just bow your head where you are. Would we pray tonight? Our Father, thank you. I'd like you to just pray in the spirit if you can. He says, we'll approach with meekness. We'll come diligently. We'll come trusting. We'll come praying. We'll come asking questions of you. He says, no prophecy of scripture is of private interpretation. Father, you, you gave these words. It says, these words are spirit and they are life. And I know you've built your life so far, so well on your own wisdom. But would you consider studying your manual for a minute? And someone just needs to say, Father, can we, <laughs> can we, can the next one month be about studying scripture? Can it be the first time in my life that I finish the New Testament? Can it be the first time in my life? I don't know what kind of discussion you want to have with God. I don't know where you are with God. But God stands at the door of your heart. He knocks tonight. He knocks tonight. He knocks tonight. He knocks tonight. He says, I offer you a great life. Would you let me in? Would you let me in? The disciple says, where else would we turn? He says, who else has the words that produce eternal life? Tonight we pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. We pray for open eyes. We pray for hearts that are hungry. Uh, it says, look, it says, your word have exalted above my necessary food. It says, your words were found and I did eat them. It says, and we were the rejoicing of my heart. It says the word of God is quick and sharp and powerful. It says it's more, it's more, it's sharper than any two-edged sword or the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of bone and marrow. And it's a descender of the thoughts and the intents of the hearts of man. Our Father, may your word become real to us. Hey, it does not matter whether you're a pastor or an engineer. Will you just build your house on the rock, the rock that never fails? It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That we will not walk as those in darkness or without a guide or wisdom. But that our Father, our hearts will be illuminated. It says, the entrance of your word gives light. Understanding to the simple. Lord, let our hearts be filled with your word. Colossians 3 and 16, it says, let the word of God abide in you richly. That's our prayer tonight. It's our prayer tonight. I don't know, follow me. If you've got a song, we can worship for five minutes and we'll bring the service to a close. But as we worship, I'd like your hearts to be attuned to God because I strongly believe that God will begin to instruct certain people and lead them. He's already telling you who to study, where to study. He's already saying, look, you, we need to study faith together. He's already saying, would you open you know, the book of Genesis tomorrow? For someone, he's saying, let's start from X. I don't know what it is. But as we worship, as we pray, as we worship, as we pray, would you just trust God? Would you trust God? Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give for you alone. That I take every moment I'm away, Lord, have 
Lord, have your way. Can we sing it one more time? Lord, I give you my heart. And I give you my soul. I live to know your will, Lord. Live for. And every step that I take. And every moment. Thank you for listening to a message from the Life Point Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.